Hey everyone and welcome to Screams After Midnight. I am Pierre. That is Tim. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I can't argue with you. You can't. No, it's that's a fact. So uh, this is a horror movie podcast. We talk about horror films every week on this show. We watch a movie. We discuss it together. Uh, we also look at some horror movie news as well. Um, so. You know, that's basically it. Uh, the movie this time, this episode, we are going to be talking about Nightmare Cinema, and a horror anthology film, uh, which is now debuted on Shudder, uh, and has five short films in it. It's actually, it's actually a longer movie than I was expecting. It's a two-hour mm-hmm. movie. Uh, all, all the stories are about 20 minutes, give or take. Uh, mm-hmm. So... You know, so we'll get into that um, and we'll talk about it. Um, typically, we start spoiler-free, although I think with anthologies, we kind of struggle to really do that. So we'll maybe give you a very brief kind of overview of how we feel about it and then go into the, each story one by one um, in the film. But before we get to that, though, we are going to talk about this week's movie news, horror movie news specifically. First up on the news this week, I'm not going to explain things too much, because last time I edited the news into the episode, I realised I over-explained how the news works both <laughs> before the news started and then after the news started, because I forget that I'd already done it, so, no, no, first up in the news, first up in the news this week, uh, The Hunt, which is Bloomhouse's, it's kind of a borderline horror movie, it was kind of unclear from the trailer, it kind of looked like it might be more of an action movie, it's but it's but it's Blumhouse, so it's it, it, it was murky, um, and this is the you know it's a group of characters who are being hunted uh, by by uh, others, rich people. I, I think it's actually yeah, there's rich people who are hunting them, yeah. Um, but it's called the Hunt, and the trailer came out a few weeks ago, and there's been a bit of controversy because the premise of the film, which I don't think was super clear on the trailer from what I remember. But then again, maybe I just wasn't paying attention enough. But apparently, the the victims in that movie are all uh, right wing, like you know, MAGA types, and the villains mm. are all rich liberals, and that mm. was kind of weird. And people were kind of talking yeah. about it. But it, I think it was supposed to be satire, which I would I would assume. Oh, okay. I, I don't strike. I, I don't. I don't think Damon Lindelof, who wrote the script, is. There's oh, right really? wing, you know. I, you oh, know, okay. I, I, I feel like it is supposed to be satire. Whether it was yeah. just, it was going to be successful satire is another thing. But the news mm-hmm. uh, this week is that uh, Universal, who were distributing it, have cancelled the release. Interesting. Um, oh, right. Yeah. Um, and there's they're, they're basically attributing it to uh, the the mass shootings uh, last weekend. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, um, and. Even Trump like tweeted about this movie at one point and complained about uh, Hollywood liberals or something like that. Um, so <laughs> I have to assume that it is it was going to be a satire, not just oh the mm-hmm. you know the, these characters are the bad guys, these characters are the good guys. I have to imagine there was yeah. some satire in there, and I'm sure it will sure. end up on Netflix or something at some point, and we'll we'll be able to oh, yeah. see see what it's like <laughs> if it's worth all the fuss, but. Um, it did seem to be a film, at least in premise, that didn't really appeal to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, pe- people, uh, you know, because you think, oh, maybe, maybe right-wing people would be into this, uh, but not so much, especially once Trump started bad-mouthing it. So it, it really put it in a weird place. So Universal have decided to uh, cancel it, uh, although they have kind of softened up over the week and kind of implied that it may get a new release date. My mm-hmm. expectation is probably just here's you know netflix can have it or amazon yeah. can have it and they can put it out yeah i you gotta imagine if uh because because it's like a um like a 
like a like a decent enough movie like there's actual like you know like uh notable actors and stuff in it right like yeah betty gilpin from uh from glows in there she's oh. the lead okay yeah so yeah i feel like you know it seems like that'd probably be too expensive to just like never do anything with it so I'm sure they'll yeah put it out eventually but yeah the, uh, <laughs> i mean i guess probably with the timing and everything it sounds like it it's probably for the best to uh yeah maybe <laughs> uh at least take it off the table for a little bit <laughs> yeah i mean obviously with the mass shootings you, you've got a lot of uh not, not only do you have a, not just a lot of shooting obviously a lot of movies have a lot mm. of shooting in them but the the nature of the shooting in the movie mm. plus you've got the, the political aspect of having these very defined characters it's yeah and it, it's it's also like i don't know satire like seems kind of dangerous now like with the way fandoms and everything are nowadays and like you know people take stuff so seriously and literally you know and like you know people are sending death threats to writers and stuff if they do something with a character that they don't like and you know uh, people are like you know becoming fans of like you know these weird characters like uh you know that guy from breaking bad and stuff like i don't know it, it's uh if something maybe could potentially be a little troublesome it's uh I don't know. It's it's a weird time uh, for this kind of stuff where I feel like, you know, back in the day, you could get away with this more uh, satirical stuff and not really have it be an issue. But uh, I don't know. <laughs> times are weird. Yeah, times times are weird. That's that's true. Um, I, I you know and yeah, it's, it's it could just be it was an ill-advised concept from the get-go. It could be that sure. uh. The, the climate around everything's just made it impossible to kind of market this film I, it's, it's hard yeah. to say i'm definitely curious to see it to see if it's worth all this fuss like because part oh, sure, of me is just yeah. expecting to see it at some point and be like that was just a really mediocre movie that didn't really have anything to say it, i think that's uh ultimately what usually ends up happening with these things like yeah you know whenever you know something will get like a reputation being like oh you know uh it, when something's banned or you know you take away the right to see it it kind of creates this like you know, almost like a, a a myth around it or something. And then you know, it's like, oh, I gotta see it. I gotta see this bad movie. And then I, I feel like more often than not, once you see it, you're like, oh, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, the video nasties in the UK back at the start of the eighties, like they, they, yeah. that, that that list of movies became this like, oh, you have to try and track them all down illegally somewhere mm-hmm. because like you, we're not supposed to watch them and therefore they must be amazing and the truth is is that 95 percent of them are garbage and not worth seeing anyway <laughs> you know there, there was the original evil dead which obviously everyone wanted to see and a couple others that were notable and, and fun or, or or whatever and then the rest of them were you know nazi exploitation crap or you know just all all these just bottom yeah. gutter <laughs> things that like so yeah, it's always something to be to be aware of. But uh, and if you don't know what the video nasties are, just uh, look mm-hmm. on Wikipedia. I've explained it before on the show, but it's just uh, <laughs> go to Wikipedia, type in video nasties. Mm-hmm. Um, so next up, Toy Todd is going to start an upcoming horror anthology called Realm of the Shadows. Um, okay. The movie promises to take us into a world of mystery, possession, and shadows with an anthology of short horror tales woven into a feature-length feature presentation. Uh, Todd will play. Uh, what? I don't know. Oh, Father Dudley. I've, you know, I've never seen. I've never seen. Uh, you know, a, you know, a priest uh, abbreviated like that. I just said Fr dot, and I'm like, what does that mean? Oh, weird. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen that before. I was yeah. like, what does Fr mean? And then it said he's a Catholic yeah. priest. And I went, oh, Father, Father Dudley. Oh. Okay. 
Okay, I get it. All right. So he plays Father Dudley, a long-time Catholic priest, dedicated to his profession. Father Dudley must watch out for his close friend, Robbie DeRay, played by Jimmy Drain, uh, who was in the, the initiation. Uh, during the testing time in Robbie's life, um, he also takes on a volatile task of taming Robbie's di- diabolic alter ego and steer him away from the snares of Satan. Cassandra, played by Evita uh, Gaffari, who was on the Mindy Project, is the alluring and mysterious muse of Master Makin, the mysterious owner of the haunted vault near Strange City's infamous cemetery and narrator of the shadows of her feature presentation. Uh, there is tension between her and her acolyte, Corey, played by Dennis Garul. Um Yeah, I'm not entirely sure if they're all in the same plot there. That, that sounded like it was like two or three mm. different plots that would have been described there. Uh, but yeah, so there's, there's a anthology movie in, this, in production right now. Uh, Tony Todd's going to be in it. Um, it's called cool. Realm of the Shadows. Uh, I'll look out for that. I, I do like Tony Todd, and yeah, I do like a good anthology movie. Mm-hmm. Nah, Tony Todd's got presence. He is in a lot of crap, though. To be fair, like, like a lot of these uh, <laughs> horror icons, he he will yeah. roll out for the paycheck to do a cameo and yeah. just a bit of anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, Happy Death Day director Christopher Landon is uh, at work on a new horror movie for Bloomhouse. Uh, Plot details are vague right now, but apparently it'll focus on a killer who wreaks havoc in a small town. Now, that sounds like that, that could be a Halloween knockoff, or yeah. but it could also have some sort of gimmick like Happy Death Day that makes it completely different. Like right, yeah. right now, that's just Vegas shit. So we'll see. <laughs> a horror movie about a killer. Who uh, who would have thought? Never seen that before. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, I mean it's uh, yeah. I, I like the Happy Death Day, so I'll be you know, interested to see uh, what he does. Yeah, I'll be interested to see if this is a straight up horror movie because even mm-hmm. the original Happy Death Day kind of veered away from horror just because of the nature of yeah. what the plot was. Yeah, definitely. So I'm curious so, to see that. Yeah, I'd be interested to see if he uh, has another gimmick with it or whatnot. Uh, Edgar Wright, psychological horror film, uh, Last Night in Soho, has got a 2020 release date. It's coming out on September 25th uh, next year. Matt Smith's in there, uh, Thomas and McKenzie's in there. Um, Wright wrote the script with uh, Kurt, sorry, Christy Wilson Cairns. So, um, yeah. Uh, no plot details are known at this time. We just know it's set in London, Soho district. Uh, I am, and obviously we've got uh, Anya Taylor Joy in there as well. I kind of skipped over the, the lead actress at the top of the, top of the <laughs> article. Um, so, obviously, I'm a big Edgar Wright fan, um, mm-hmm. especially his Cornetto trilogy, and I'm very intrigued at the prospect of him doing a horror movie. And I do like Anya oh. Taylor Joy as well. So, oh yeah, without a doubt. Uh, and yeah, I guess you wouldn't really necessarily think of him as a horror guy because you know most of his stuff has been like comedy. But there's always been kind of like a horror, you know, ish tint to it. Yeah, yeah there's influences. Uh, I mean, obviously, Shot of the Dead's a zombie movie, but even in Hot Fuzz, there's some like violent moments where it's like he, he's yeah. clearly a fan of horror movies. <laughs> the way yeah, that was definitely. filmed. <laughs> yeah. So, so I. Yeah, and it's uh, and obviously like you know like a lot of these movies, you know, it's not like we have uh, a ton of details or anything yet. But yeah, I mean, just Edgar Wright horror, I'm easily sold. <laughs> mm. uh, yeah, I'll be uh, much more, you know, very excited once uh, you know we start to hear more about it. But for right now, this uh, is definitely probably it's a uh, 2020, right? They said or... yeah, next year, next September, so just over a year. Oh, okay, so yeah, it'll probably definitely be one of the big things I'm looking forward to next year. Yeah, uh, in fact, given the date that's out, that might even end up... That'll either be something we do right before Octoberthon next year, or it may be like the mm-hmm. first Octoberthon movie next year. Interesting. Oh, yeah. uh, cool. 
Interesting. Um, probably right before, I think, actually, because mm-hmm. it's, if the 25th's a Friday, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll record on the Sunday and it'll be out on like the the, the second last day of the month, probably. Yeah. Um, okay. So, but no, I tell a joy, really becoming a bit, something of a scream queen. Uh, you know, between between yeah. The Witch, between, mm-hmm. uh, what do we call it, Splice... Uh, or split. <laughs> so I split. Yeah, not splice. God, that's, that's a movie from like ten years ago. Uh, too many movies, guys. Too many <laughs> movies. Uh, so that's coming next year. Um, next up, more release date stuff for some other movies that are coming a bit closer. Dark Sky Films have announced that they'll release uh, Pollyanna McIntosh's Darling. Not to be confused with Darling with a G at the end, which mm-hmm. we reviewed uh, a few years ago. This is Darling with the apostrophe at the end, which is the N. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so, Darling. I'll try to <laughs> put the accent on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, this is coming to VOD and home video and all that jazz on September 3rd. As in, like, oh. three weeks from now, <laughs> or whatever that is. Oh, okay. I, I, th- I thought this was already out. So I, I thought I listened to some other podcast that saw it, unless maybe they had like a small limited release or something yeah maybe i mean maybe there, maybe there was a theatrical release i mean the way this article was phrased it sounds like this is its proper release but i, I wonder if yeah maybe it had a limited release maybe it had yeah. festival releases and, i don't know and this is uh a I, I don't know if it says it's a like an official sequel or something, but oh, I, th- I think it has something to do with that movie, The Woman. Yeah, no, is it that... does. It says here, in the sequel to Blade of Disgusting is The Woman, a feral okay. teenage girl is uh, taken to strict Catholic care and prepared for her first Holy Communion. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I, I, I actually have not heard of The Woman, so... I uh, I watched it. it it's a... Um, right, so I... I I th- I, ho- I hope I'm thinking of the right movie, but I believe it's like they find a, um, yeah, like a feral woman in the woods, and this like fa- the this the dad of this family, whatever, basically captures her and you know chains her up, and they kind of you know you can kind of uh, guess where where it kind of goes from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a uh, yeah, not a happy movie. Um, uh, but I uh, I. I I mean, maybe I'll save too many <clears throat> thoughts in case we uh, actually do a proper review of it. But um, I do remember it, uh, having some interesting stuff in it. Um, so I'll definitely be interested to see uh, what a sequel to that would be yeah, like. Yeah, because I, I, I sort of glanced at the cell and said, oh, we'll probably do that then for so soon. And then I was like, that's always a sequel. Oh, never mind then. <laughs> I haven't done the first one. Um, so, okay, okay. Uh, so you got that. Um, another movie coming out this year is We Summon the Darkness. This is a, a film mm. uh, which has a, a bunch of notable uh, stars in it, actually. Oh. Uh, we have Alexander Daddario in there as is, is, uh, one of the leads. Uh, we also have Amy Forsyth, who you might remember from season two of Channel Zero. Uh, she was also in that movie oh. we did... Um, at the the theme park. <coughs> oh, hell uh, something. Hell night? No, no. Oh. Hell. Was it Hellfest? <laughs> Hellfest. That sounds right. Okay, <laughs> that sounds right. Yeah. Um. So yeah, this is what I remember reading the description to this a while ago. Um. But uh, this is coming out on VOD and uh, and in theaters, probably limited, I imagine, on mm-hmm. December thirteenth. So this is something of a Christmas treat. 
three three best friends uh alexis val and beverly embark on a road trip to a heavy metal music festival naive they bond with three seemingly fun-loving dudes and soon the group heads off to alexis's country home a very secluded place for an after party what should be a night of fun and youthful debauchery uh, may instead take a dark deadly turn with killers (laughs) on the loose can anyone be trusted I have to imagine the photo of the three girls uh, at the top of this article makes me think the twist is going to be that they're the actual, like, scary ones. <laughs> like, you know, we think they're yeah. the ones in danger from the guys, but they end up being, like, the the absolute... Yeah, so... Um, mm-hmm. And it's to do with Satan's. Uh, so, um, there was a cool poster for this earlier in the year, actually. So, uh, this is definitely something you'll check out. Um, and this uh, comes from uh, Mark Myers, who directed my friend uh, Damer, which Or Damer. I've never seen that... Uh, but I've heard things. Uh, the the comic book is uh, pretty interesting. Um, the the movie I don't I feel like didn't it wasn't that good. Um, mm. I, I I think it, it might be maybe worth watching as uh, out of curiosity. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'd necessarily say it's a great movie. Okay. Also, Joy Knoxville's in it as well. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, if that's appealing um, to anyone. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I haven't heard about this, but uh, I don't know, it sounds like it could be interesting. I don't know. Um, I was talking about this before, but like uh, one aspect uh, that kind of I feel like gets lumped in with horror a lot that I just have no connection to is like heavy metal. Like I, um, you know, it, nothing wrong. With, you know, if if people like it, that's totally fine. It's just never something I've been into. And I, I, don't know, I feel like, you know, a, a lot of times there's like kind of cross pollination with horror. And uh, I don't know. I just uh, doesn't really get me too excited when there's like a oh like a new heavy metal horror movie and like oh the lead character is like a heavy metal kid or something. So what know. you're saying is, is you want a horror movie where the characters are into like like <laughs> country music. <laughs> sure, yeah, I'd be I'd be okay with that, like ska or something. Actually, <laughs> now what am I saying? We, wa- <laughs> we watched the Howling Seven, which had line dancing in it like every five minutes. <laughs> We've seen that movie. I don't want more of that. Leave me alone. <laughs> Oh dear. Uh, so next up, James Wan has been uh, just teasing things about his movie, uh, his horror movie that he's doing before he goes back to Aquaman. Um, and uh, just a couple of interesting tidbits here. Uh, he's excited to go back to his roots, blah, blah, blah. But he says it's going to be a hard R rated film. It's an original yes. horror idea. So it's not a sequel, a reboot, a remake of anything else that we know. And he very much uh, says that this is going to be old school practical effects and there'll be very little to no blue screens or anything like that uh so so it seems like he wants to go sort of old school horror with this um which is kind of exciting i I am way more excited for this than i am you know aquaman 2 whenever it yeah (laughs) ends up coming out cool i mean it sounds like he's saying all the right things so well what do we always complain about with some modern horror movies the cg ghosts or or whatever you know i'm letting a cat out you can continue to share your thoughts and it's kind of interesting because like uh you know i guess Juan does use like um you know a good amount of, of practical stuff but i feel like he is you know kind of a cgi guy as well uh i don't know maybe i'm wrong but i feel like there's you know cgi and like conjuring and insidious and stuff yeah he's, he's definitely willing to use cg he's done it in the past but maybe he's wanting mm-hmm. to you know tone it back on this one and do something a bit more mm-hmm. sometimes so, i feel like you know, like it, it is cool like you know when these directors come out and make like you know these big you know declarative statements like you know oh we're going old school no cgi and stuff but it's like uh 
All right. I mean, don't go too crazy. Like you can still use CGI, just, you know, use it in the right ways, you know, make it sparingly and, you know, blend it in with practical effects. Like, you know, it's uh, I, I feel like, you know, not that I want to uh, defend CGI or anything, but sometimes people make it out a little bit too much to be like the enemy where it's like, well, no, it's it definitely has its uses and can be good. It's just. Yeah, a lot of times it's not, you know, always used a, in the best ways. Yeah, it's a tool. It's a tool. Yeah. And, uh, when people complain about CG, they don't complain about all CG. They really just compare about the CG they notice. If you don't notice it, yeah, you don't give a shit. And totally, yeah. there's a lot of CG in movies that you generally, genuinely don't notice. It, it happens all the time. Um, yeah. So next up, uh, we're going to look at some trailers. Uh, this first one's actually for a movie that's coming out very soon. It's for Haunt. Uh, which is actually coming uh, to VOD and such on September 13th. So we'll actually okay. be doing this in the not-too-distant future. Uh, Haunt is produced by Eli Roth, but he did not direct it, which is important. <laughs> so you can, uh, you know, breathe easy. Breathe easy. <laughs> yes. Uh, we got writers from A Quiet Place behind this as well. Uh, and we got, a, we got a trailer. I'll just read the, the little description here. Haunt takes place on Halloween with a group of friends encountering an extreme haunted house that promises to feed on their darkest fears. But the night turns deadly as they come to the horrifying realization that some nightmares are real. Um, so from the trailer, it looks like they yeah they go to this absurdly over the top haunted house, and there's several mass killers running around inside it. Um, it's a very quick trailer, and I'll I'll the credit I'll give it is that it does feel like it's packed of like horror moments and scenes. Um, yeah without giving me too much time to really like process <coughs> any of them so that I, I don't necessarily know what's coming in the movie. Mm-hmm. I, I Admittedly, I would prefer just one quiet, slow scene that sets the tone mm-hmm. for me rather than this quick cut, but I mean, it's not a terrible I, trailer. Yeah, I I wasn't that into it at first. Um, I, I feel like, you know, we, we've been seeing a lot of these, uh, it, it seems like lately, like, um, you know, the idea of, Oh, these haunted attractions are really popular, but what if they really were scary or something was going on? Like, you know, we just said we had Hellfest, and then there was another one uh, called Bloodfest that was along like the same idea, and then like uh, Haunted House LLC, which uh, I actually do really like those movies, but like, you know, it's uh, <clears throat> not like a super original I- idea at this point. And then uh, at the start of the trailer, it seemed very generic to me, where it's like, you know, you have this like little kid uh singing a song quite like slowly and creepily in the background but uh i i will give it credit though by the end i was kind of turned around like i was like you know what this actually does look like uh interesting enough like there looks like there could you know potentially be some like cool kills and i kind of like some of the you know looks of like the costumes of the killers or monsters or whatever so um I'm I'm slightly optimistic about this, although I could easily see it going either way. Like I, I feel. Oh like yeah, could... I, this this could live or die on that. Like there's there's nothing in this trailer to tell if the characters are going to be likable and suffer, sufferable, and that could completely yeah. make or break the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, it could like easily be just like another like annoying generic like whatever horror movie or I don't know, but also uh, I'll give it a little credit. It seems like it might it could potentially be a pleasant little surprise too. It could, so we'll see. We'll see. Um, it's premiering at the Florida-based festival in, in August. Uh, Popcorn Freights uh, is the name of the festival. Uh, oh, cool. So it's coming to VOD on September 13th, so expect a review of that next month. We, mm-hmm. Joe, we actually have a few few episodes in the bank, so we want to like, stop recording new episodes for so we can just do October Thorn movies, but they keep giving <laughs> us new, new releases. It's like, oh, we have to do these now. <laughs> yeah. um, so... 
but yeah, so we'll, we'll be doing Haunt in the near future. Uh, next up, we got a trailer for the Gary Oldman and Emily Mortimer <laughs> starring uh, Mary, which is coming out on October 11th. Uh, oh, I didn't realize this was another uh, theatrical and VOD uh dual release because i assume yeah. because gary oldman and Elby mortimer were in it it was going to be yeah. a, just a, you know, a traditional theatrical release i guess this might be that we might do this in the middle of the october thon then okay okay <laughs> are you excited about that uh potentially i um i'm not i i <laughs> I, I do i mean i i do like the idea of um you know, I, I like I like stuff in the water, and you know the the haunted house movie in a boat uh, does sound you know kind of interesting. You know, having like a nice little bottle. And, and, uh, and for just to sort of paint a picture here, it's it's not like a cruise ship or anything like that. This is like yeah. a a small you know family owned yacht. That it's not like a big ship or anything like that. So it's a very tight, close in yeah. haunting or possession story potentially. So, uh, yeah, potentially the idea uh, does sound pretty cool to me. But, uh, yeah, the trailer just looked like a kind of generic. Um, it, it wasn't necessarily anything. I'll, I'll give it credit, though. It did make me <laughs> laugh early on. Uh, there's a moment where, because it's a young daughter, the younger daughter who gets possessed or whatever. <laughs> and the, the older sister is, like, talking about her, like, oh, I hear her all night talking to her best friend. And the younger sister just grabs, like, a glass <laughs> that had, like, water in it and just smashes it on her forehead. And this is this seems to be the first time she does anything creepy in the movie. And the, the, the parents are like, Mary, what did you just do? Like, it's so extreme. I love it. It's, it's, the, it's basically the idea of, like, a kid who's otherwise sweet and innocent just smashing a beer bottle and stabbing yeah. someone in the face. It's, it made me laugh. It's pretty funny. There is kind of like a weird thing though, where I don't know if you get this, but like I don't know. I always feel like it's a bad sign when you see a horror movie and it's like the lead actors are like too big. Like mm-hmm. I always feel like that's a bad sign. Like you kind of want like there's nothing wrong with having like you know um, like notable people in in the movie, but like you always kind of want like maybe a slightly lower rung of like celebrity. Like, I don't know, someone that's like, you know, like Gary Oldman or, and stuff, It's I kind of feel like... Yeah, obviously, uh, <laughs> obviously there's exceptions, but I think with horror movies, you often feel that if they're spending more money and time on getting these big stars, it's because they're covering yeah. up the fact that the movie's not really that good. Because um, yeah. <laughs> the last horror movie I remember Gary Oldman being in, I think was The Unborn? <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> which was a David S. Goyer-directed movie, and it was... Yeah. We've never done that. Um, maybe one day we will, but I, I remember it being. If it's the one I'm thinking of, I think I saw it in theaters and like, yeah, it was not good. And I always get confused with the Uninvited, which was a remake of A Tale of Two Sisters, um, because they, they both came out in the same year and they both had similar titles. Um, yeah. But hey, so now I know this looks good. I, I think the it feels really generic from the trailer. It looks like sort of typical Hollywood. We've got a couple of actors that you'll yeah. know. Um, it's it's from uh, the writer of the Shallows, and I enjoyed the Shallows for what it was. Yes, but I I don't it doesn't buy me trust. I don't think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, it's, uh, yeah. Well, I, I I am like vaguely interested, but yeah, I'm not really holding out too much hope for it. I wonder if that's going to be this writer, this writer, Anthony uh, Jaswinski. I wonder if this is going to be his thing that he, he keeps every movie's like on the water. So it's like haunted yeah. house on the water. <laughs> Oh, now it's a uh, now it's a slasher movie on the water. Now it's uh, you know it's just everything on the water over and over again. Yeah. I can see that. 
I mean, I, I guess that is the one thing going for it, though, is like, you know, if it does end up being just kind of a generic possession movie, at least the setting and stuff will make it a little more interesting. Hmm. But we'll see. <laughs> we shall see. Uh, which leads us to the final piece of news we have, the final trailer we're going to talk about. <laughs> it is titled Tables. <laughs> and the headline read Ronda Rousey's in a movie with haunted tables and I'm like well I have to watch this trailer <laughs> here's, here's, the, here's the weird thing about this though is I did not realise because I, I think there's some context here that even you don't have that I can shed some okay. light on on this alright so Ronda Rousey as you know is a wrestler now right she, she, she's, she's shifted careers from her UFC or whatever and she's, she's doing I did not know that but... she's doing, yeah <laughs> okay. she's wrestling now alright the uh, the Devon Hughes character, who I know as Devon Dudley in this, is also a wrestler. Okay. <laughs> um, and then there's also Paige, who's a wrestler, who's also in this. Remember that movie, Fighting With My Family, that came out this year? Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was about her. She's in this, the actual Paige is oh, in this movie. Yeah. Right? Oh, cool. I, I like that movie a lot, so. That's good. I've not seen it yet, but um, uh, the trailer okay. looked fun. But... Yeah. So the reason why I'm explaining this, the reason why I'm explaining there's at least three wrestlers in this movie, specifically Devon, because mm. Devon's because because so there's the one thing in this trailer that made me laugh out loud, and I thought this might be amazing, although it's probably going to be the worst thing ever, is <laughs> they're at this like retreat, they're you know middle of nowhere in this house, and they're out in the balcony. It's Ronda Rousey and Devon Dudley, and he looks out into the forest, and there's just this table sitting in the forest, <laughs> and. First of all, for anyone who doesn't watch wrestling, this is a wrestling table. This is the tables that they pull yeah. out to put people through all the time. And the reason why this is relevant is because Devon Dudley was half of the Dudley boys, who whose gimmick, whose whose thing they did every time was that they put people people through tables. And there's a the the line in this where someone says Devon get the tables was something that was said to him repeatedly. Uh. And later on in the trailer, he's even wearing his his wrestling shirt. Like it's like I, I'm not sure if he's supposed to be playing himself or if it's maybe this weird meta thing. I don't know. So basically, what they've done with this movie <laughs> is they've taken his weird gimmick of putting th- people through tables, and they've taken mm. the exact wrestling table that they use, and they've made a horror movie out of like haunted tables. So, but the reason why I love that scene in the forest, though, it made me laugh so much, is because it's that scene from Halloween where Laurie sees Michael <laughs> in the in the garden and uh, you know yeah. amongst the laundry, uh, and then he disappears when she looks back. That's what this scene is. You know, he talks to Ronda Rousey for a second, then looks back to the forest, and the tables disappeared. Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then from there, there's tables like stalking them like slashers, and at the very end of the trailer, there's a giant table. There's also, yeah. in fact, do you know other moment they rip off from a movie? The scene from Alien 3 where Ripley's up against the wall and the aliens are like right in her face. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They have that moment <laughs> in this trailer with the corner of a table in Ronda Rousey. Well, even they, they have like a, didn't they have like a chestburster scene too? Oh, <laughs> like you're right, you're right, you're right. The, um, what are your thoughts on this, Tim? I mean, I guess my, my outside of all the stuff I explained there and just being baffled as to why this exists, my thing would be the acting in this, like, the actors in this are more wooden than the tables. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is... Um, I, I feel re- really mixed about this because it is the kind of, like, high-concept, stupid idea that I normally would love. But I also feel like, do you really want a whole movie uh, of this? Like, I feel like you see the trailer and that's what 
you know, should be funny, what should make you laugh. I, I feel like, I don't know, dragging it out for a whole movie might not necessarily work. And then, uh, you know, not to be too much of a bummer, but like, uh, you know, Ronda Rousey sucks. <laughs> you know, she's, uh, you know, I, I, I don't really follow that world, so I don't know too much about it. But, you know, there's like a lot of controversy stuff with, uh, you know, her making like transphobic comments and oh, everything. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, so just, uh, you know, and then even that stuff aside, she's like a horrible <laughs> actress. Uh, so, oh, yeah. Like um, she, she's, um, I mean, she she said a lot of controversial things. She, you know, she's yeah. said that, that you know, she's denied shootings and things like that. She she's, Ugh. you know, she she's uh, at the so extreme that, end of a spectrum. That... I, yeah, so it, it 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 does kind of annoy me that yeah, she's in this. Uh, if she wasn't in it, I I probably would be a little more on board. Like I, I'll still see this, like you know, because it it does sound stupid enough where, um, it it could potentially work uh, or. You know, it might be just another thing where it's like, all right, you know, funny trailer, but you know, whatever. But, I think for me, yeah. like, I would happily watch a movie with this plot. I just, I, I bizarrely think I just need a little bit more charm. It just, it has that feeling of a movie that's trying too hard to be that goofy B movie. Like, definitely. Yeah. Fr- from this, I want that. This feels like I don't know. It all, you know, it's not quite Birdemic levels, but it feels like it's. I mean, that's not that that was trying to be bad like it was. Like, there's definitely other better examples of that. But just in the sense of, like, okay, you've got this silly idea. It looks silly. It looks bad. you got bad acting. But I think I would much rather have... And this is maybe a high standard to hold it to, but I would much rather have someone take the concept and, okay, this is silly, but we're going to treat it with, like, some level of respect and do something, sure, like, yeah. above a hotep where, okay, the yeah. idea that Elvis didn't die and he's in a, a old folks' home and he, he teams up with a guy yeah. who thinks he's JFK to take on a mummy, that is silly as shit. But that movie is full of heart and it's got just a couple of good actors and it makes it work. This is... Yeah. This is sci-fi channel nonsense. Definitely, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a you know the problem like with those kind of sci-fi movies of where you know they're just banging on the idea that like uh, oh we create something stupid enough and people are gonna see it to laugh at it but yeah that's it it doesn't have the same charm as like you know legitimately bad but fun movies um, so yeah I, I I don't know I'm very interested. Um, I, I would actually be really uh, curious uh, what Matt thinks about this because, <laughs> yeah, obviously he's probably uh, like you know one of the biggest wrestling people I know. Uh, so yeah. I, I wonder. <laughs> what his I, I, I did. Would be. I had put the trailer up for for everyone because for that very reason, I wanted <laughs> I wanted Matt's reaction to it because um, he he will get what it's like. I, I think because that's there's an extra layer to this that's funny for me where. Like the entire concept of this movie seems to be taken from a wrestler's thing, you know. Like, it'd <laughs> yeah. almost be like it was kind of like how in the first movie The Rock ever did when he started doing movies. Well, no, I mean he did Scorpion King first and that, but like the first movie that there was like the rundown, his first sort of action right. movie where it was like, oh, he's replacing Arnold, he's going to be the next Arnold. Like, and there was a little joke in that where his character was a chef because his catchphrase was a. Uh, if you smell what the rock uh, is cooking right yeah and yeah. that was fine because it was just a little joke it was like his backstory it wasn't it wasn't the plot of the movie but it'd almost be like if there was a movie where we're going to have the rock be a chef this angry chef and don't get me wrong yeah. that does still like it could be entertaining but here's the thing the rock's actually very charismatic and can can act <laughs> so yeah. that may actually be entertaining um yeah. whereas you know devon dudley standing there and awkwardly having someone random dude say devon get the tables like i mean <laughs> 
what was Bubba Ray not available? Was he not available to like? Because because he was the guy who always said it to him. Surely you want both of them. Yeah. You know, I don't know. It's just yeah, very yeah, very very interesting. Um, I don't know. <laughs> we'll we'll see. Uh, I, I, again, I I do like the the concept, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I am making no promises for this one. If anything, yeah. this is bonus episode tier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that makes sense. And I hope that news was interesting because we're recording this in advance, so I have no idea what we just <laughs> talked about. We probably just changed clothes when we cut back to this. Mm. Who knows what was happening? Uh, but <laughs> Tim, Tim, <laughs> had you heard yeah. much about Nightmare Cinema? Were you looking forward to it before we we got oh. to it? Oh, definitely. Yeah, this was a big one on my radar. Uh, I so I really like Mick Garris, who you know, was the one who kind of put this all together. Uh, I listened to. I, I mean, obviously, you know, he's known for um, you know such films as a uh, Critters Two and Sleepwalkers and uh, Psycho Four. Uh, nobly, a... nobly, he wrote a lot of these movies. He didn't direct all of them, though, right? Because mm-hmm. his directing credits aren't as uh, yeah I... prolific. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think he yeah, has directed as much, but he's, you know, he's a writer director and he works with Stephen King a lot. And uh, he has a very good podcast called uh, postmortem, which, oh. uh, you know, I, I listen to every week. Um, so uh, obviously he, and, and you know, uh, he's been making the podcast circuit, uh, a lot lately. Uh, so, you know, I've been hearing him, uh, you know, on multiple, uh, you know, uh, different <laughs> horror podcasts I listen to. So I was well aware of this and, uh, and uh yeah uh, it's I, I can go a little bit into the kind of how this came about if, if you like but uh um because it, it's kind of interesting were you a uh, a masters of horror guy i don't, I don't know if, as in if did you're I into wa- that did i watch that show where they yeah. had a director do each episode i never actually yeah. did it's one of those things where it never aired here and i yeah. i like there was like several times in my teens where i almost bought the box set like I almost did, because they did this weird thing where they released like the first two as a double pack. Like it was like it was like a double feature. Like, you could get the first two episodes, and everyone was like, "That's a shit. Why do I just don't you just yeah. put a season out?" And then they, they said, "Okay, everyone hated that, so we'll put a season." Which then pissed off everyone who bought the, the first double pack because now they owned the first two, and there was no future double packs coming out. Anyway, um, so I never did. Wait, I never so, watched it. So you've never seen any of them? No. Oh. Pete, there's a really good John Carpenter one called uh, Cigarette Burns. Really? That, okay. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, we should probably just do it for the show because they are basically like movies. Like, you know, it aired on Showtime, but they're like hour long movies, you know. Um, so, uh, but there there were um, like, uh, I actually think there are some really good ones. You know, there's also a lot of ones that, you know, are kind of duds. But uh, so basically, though, uh, Mick Garris, you know, he's a big horror guy. Uh you know, very active in the horror community and he used to have these uh, dinners that he called like the masters of horror where he would just, you know, invite other horror writers and filmmakers and they would just kind of have these dinners where they hang out and everything. And that's what gave him the idea to do uh, a TV show about it where he's like, well, why don't we get all our horror friends together and we'll kind of make like one-off movies um, and whatnot. And, and so obviously, <clears throat> you know, that had, I think it was like maybe like two ish seasons. Um, and then, you know, it ended up getting canceled. And he was always kind of looking to try to bring it back. Um, and it, it just never, you know, uh, happened. Uh, so then he kind of got this idea of doing uh, Nightmare Cinema, which was a, a continuation of that. And I, I think he originally envisioned it as a TV show. But he uh, specifically um, said that he wanted to focus on, uh, like, foreign filmmakers and kind of bring 
like a you know attention um you know with you know, uh with these like you know great foreign horror directors uh you know by kind of bringing them together and you know doing this anthology kind of series and eventually that ended up becoming you know nightmare cinema essentially so uh yeah it, it was something i've been looking for forward to for a while i know they had like a week where it's like in theaters i really wanted to go see and it was like right when my trip was starting <laughs> and then <laughs> it is even to the point where um yeah like we left and so, like we had a day in seattle before we departed on our cruise and i was like really trying to figure out it's like all right I, I know we have a lot to do we're only in seattle for one day so we do want to experience some stuff and we have to get up early uh to get on this ship but i'm like can i make it work and like go all the way across town to to see this in theaters and then unfortunately it didn't end up happening but um so i was a little bummed about not getting to see it in theaters but yeah you know, i was happy you know it's you know on bod and everything now it's uh i was happy we we're finally able to get it um and uh, I gotta say, I was uh, pretty happy with it. Uh, I do love an anthology film. I I do think there are definitely problems with it. I would say my three big issues is uh, I do think it's way too long. Um, I think it easily easily could have been you know cut up like two hours. Uh, I think it's it's too much uh, for this movie. Here's here's the beautiful um, thing about an anthology movie, Tim, though, is you mm-hmm. can naturally actually split your viewing in half and not have it true. feel weird yeah. because you can just split it up between stories, which is what <laughs> I did. I watched it uh, in two chunks. I mean, <laughs> we're recording a couple episodes today. I had like I had to do some serious crunch time <laughs> to fit everything in. But yeah, that, that probably would have been uh, better. Uh, so that was uh, my first complaint. Uh, my second complaint... Um, would be i most of the stories there were some stories that i loved there were some uh that i liked which you know that's kind of the nature you know of anthology movies but i gotta say that last story i i kind of hated i i did not care about it at all um mm-hmm. so that and and especially sucks that it's like all right so this is like the last one that you're going out on and it's kind of a dud it's it's also the mcgarris one as well to yeah point that out. <laughs> i it, it sucks because i really really do genuinely love mcgarris like I, I love hearing him talk uh you know he's had a you know very long and storied career but uh, a lot of the stuff he does i'm just like uh, this is not that good um so that that, that was unfortunate and uh, i do like the well, I mean, we'll get into it in spoilers. Like, I, I, I was a little confused by the wraparound segment. Uh, I think there's, like, I think I understand what they're trying to do, and I think there's some good ideas, but I, I don't think it really comes together. I think uh, I understand. I think by the time I got the ending, the ending made it all click for me, where I understood what was yeah. going on with the the wraparound stuff. Um, yeah. I, I have questions on it, but we'll wait, I'll wait till spoilers because I don't want to yeah, spoil anything. But I think, uh, oh, and then uh, actually, uh, one more tiny complaint is uh, I do think it, it was a, a low budget, which you know, hey, I, I totally understand. Like you know, you, you work with what you got, but there were definitely parts of it that felt a little cheap. But I mean, uh, maybe that sounds too complainy right off the start. But I did genuinely really like this movie, uh, even with those complaints aside. Hmm. Curious as to my thoughts, Timmy? Eh, not really. We can just... <laughs> I think people are more interested in what I have to say. 
No, of course I want to hear what you, you think. You're either going to disappoint me or you're going to surprise me. So. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. It's either disappointment <laughs> or surprise. You can't expect that I'm going to give you a, a, a happy feeling. It's either, no, no, disappointing, which is expected, or a surprise. Yeah. yeah that's... I, I, don't, I, I don't even know what. <laughs> this relationship is buckling tim it's buckling anyway um do you know it's funny because i you know i I'm, I'm a bit more hit and miss in anthologies than, than you tend to mm-hmm. be um so sometimes i feel they they lack any type of consistency um what's really funny about this one is that i actually did like this one uh for the most part quite a bit um, I, I was a little unclear as to what the tone was supposed to be early on, but once I kind of settled into the kind of the pulpy, almost over the top tone that I had going for it, mm. um, I actually thought this was. And it was funny is that I got to the third story and I liked the first two, and the third one started mm. off, and I thought this might be the first one that I don't like. <laughs> However, and we'll obviously get to mm-hmm. it in spoilers, where the third one actually ends up going. It, it, <laughs> kind of flipped it around and turned it into kind of a glorious thing uh i I think i'm on the same page with you because that one started off as just like kind of a boring like all right this is what we're doing i don't really Mm -hmm. care about this kind of thing but then by the end um it's almost like there's there's two different things going on with that third one and one i don't really care about but then another i absolutely loved (laughs) it it just it just takes a bit of time to get going but once that third one gets going um (laughs) I, 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 there's one sentence I could say right now to sum up why that, that third one's worth watching, um, but I, I can't without spoilers. So, um, And then the fourth one's kind of the more artsy one, um, and I actually, oh, yeah. and again, like I started off not not, feel, not sure if I was feeling it, but by the time I kept going, and it's in black and white, that one, I was like, oh, I actually really like the imagery and kind of the weird, surreal mm-hmm. feeling it's got. Um, so... By the time I, yeah. so by the time I was getting to the end of the fourth one, I thought, you know what, this is actually one of the most consistently good anthology movies I've seen probably ever. Mm-hmm. And then that fifth one hit, <laughs> dude, it's, it's so bad. I'm sorry. Like, or I mean, maybe I shouldn't be too rough. Like, it's just so like pointless. Like, it's just like you know, it, it's not unique. It's not new. It's not interesting. <laughs> which I guess is like pretty insulting, but it just feels like at least everything before it was like a felt very interesting or unique or is it doing a take on something that you hadn't seen before. And this is just so cookie cutter. It's like, what's the point? Like, especially like it, you know, uh, it's kind of weird because I feel like anthology movies, like the last one is never really a good one. <laughs> I don't know if like <laughs> they think people get checked out by the end or something, but I don't know that people should really start like having like a really good one before the end. I feel like I feel the point of the last story is mostly to explain the wraparound. Um, so I guess I'll, sure. I'll, I'll get to that when when we get spoilers. But I, 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 the, the, like I, I, overall, I actually I'm quite happy with the movie. But I would have happily yeah. just cut that last story and just had it be like 25 minutes shorter. <laughs> yeah. No, I a hundred percent same. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Because. Yeah, because you got you got Mickey Rourke as the as the projectionist in the in the theater. Mm-hmm. Um, I did feel like he was a little bit just kind of tacked on. Like I didn't really feel like he was that important to what was going on. Or yeah, so I mean, what's weird with the wraparound is like uh, he's not even like introduced right away, uh, and then so it, it's kind of weird. Like you know, he he by the time he comes in like to the whatever the second or third story that's starting, you're kind of like, oh wait, who the hell is this guy all of a sudden? And then mm. I I love so. 
again, I love these anthology movies and I love the idea of having like a, a wraparound and especially with like some type of horror host, you know, like a, you know, crypt keeper kind of thing. Um, and the idea of the projectionist does sound like, oh, a cool host, um, you know, for these movies, but he just looks like Mickey Rourke. It does. <laughs> and just, <laughs> like, it's not like a cool costume or makeup or anything. He's just like, hey, I'm just Mickey Rourke. Yeah, he's, <laughs> I'm he's not, not really, a shirt. Yeah, he's not really playing a character. He's just kind of there. It's and like you say, he's not introduced until the second, maybe the end of the second story, yeah. uh, start of the third one. So it, it feels a little bit odd. Like it's like, why isn't he introducing the movie at the start? Why isn't he like got like a little monologue or something? I don't know. Yeah, so, exactly. So it's funny as much as we're nitpicking these little things. Like I think the movie overall we're really positive on because I think four yeah. out of the five stories are just good, um, uh, to some extent. You know, obviously varying degrees, but, um, so you know overall as a positive opinion i actually i had fun yeah. you know i had fun. oh cool and you know uh, yeah sometimes i <laughs> i don't know uh, which way you're gonna go because <laughs> i i can see you yeah being a little more critical which i mean we definitely have our criticisms on it but uh, i'm glad you enjoyed it though that, that's a uh, that's nice to hear yeah uh so i think we'll just give the spoiler warning now because we have to talk yeah. about each story on its own um so Instead of doing five different spoiler-free sections with five different spoiler <laughs> sections for each one, uh, let's just give the spoiler warning so we can talk about each of the stories yeah. and uh, get it started with Nightmare Cinema. I so, think, yeah, it's definitely worth checking out. So I highly recommend people go uh, watch it and then, um, yeah, come back and listen. So, because I, especially like uh, some of these, I think are very um, have like kind of surprise or twist endings. Like especially like the first one, uh, that that one might be my favorite, uh, but. Yeah, it's don't, you don't want to get spoiled on it, so watch it first. Yeah, the the, the first one is uh, the thing in the woods, and we have this girl who runs into the theater, uh, which is a wraparound segment. And this is kind of a running thing: is that we always see the, <coughs> one of the main characters from the story will go into the theater, um, and then watch their own story play out in the theater. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first story is essentially it's like a slasher movie um there's uh, this girl's running in the forest and she's covered in blood and she runs into her boyfriend they're being chased by the welder it's this <laughs> slasher killer's got a big welding mask on um uh, and this, this kind of neatly splits into a few things it sort of introduces them and then there's a section where they run into a cop um and what i thought was interesting about the the, the way the characters uh, act in this one is the, the art the acting's not great it's actually one of the things throughout mm-hmm. the movie that's a little bit over the top is the acting but it felt mm-hmm. kind of intentional in like a pulpy way like they wanted to kind of like play up the tropes yeah. of whatever story they were kind of you know riffing on uh because yeah. the characters when they run to the cop they imply all this history is as if there was a whole mm-hmm. movie that we've not seen the rest of mm-hmm. uh which i thought was interesting uh uh the cop does do something really silly here that did make me laugh uh so the killer shows up uh, and the cop sort of unloads his bullets at him um and he, you know the, the, the welder's wearing like shielding and he's got the big mask on so he actually is kind of bulletproof uh, uh outside of his shoulders and hands but the guy the, the cop just keeps unloading into his chest and it doesn't do anything but the killer does go down eventually and the idiot cop essentially kills himself by tripping on the killer's foot and should <laughs> accidentally shooting himself in the head. It's a yeah. really funny moment, which I did not <laughs> see coming. Like, you know, because I, I think yeah. we're all expecting the killer to grab him or something mm-hmm. like that, or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the couple run to the 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 <coughs> the the house, the cabin that they were staying at. That one of their mm-hmm. friends is still there. Um, and there's the shotgun on the wall, uh, which they, <laughs> they make use of. And I saw your tweet about this, and yes, I <laughs> I did also think of Resident Evil, the original game. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. 
it's like, oh, well, they, they surely they're going to have to find a broken shotgun first that yeah. they'll need to replace yeah. with that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, again, there's another really silly moment here where um, the killer, when he shows up, at one point grabs the friend and mm-hmm. or the main boyfriend dude, like picks up the shotgun and he fires it once. And I thought, okay, you fired it once and he's, he's, he's used your friend as a human shield. Right. Okay, that's <laughs> yeah. fine. He then unloads every shell he has into his friend who's been held up in front of him to the point where he actually <laughs> blows up his head. He gets like a proper like crit headshot. Mm-hmm. And um, and then once the the killer throws the friend down, who's now just this mm-hmm. bloody stump of a of a corpse, yeah. th- at this point he has no shells left and he just throws the shotgun away. And I'm like, maybe <laughs> you should have saved some of those rounds for when the killer yeah. was going to not have his your friend in front of him. Oh my god. Like, everything is, like, playing on, like, really over-the-top slasher cliches, but yeah. it works so well. Like, it's so funny, especially, yeah, if you're, you know, familiar with these types of movies. It's, uh, you know, obviously very campy and, and over-the-top, but it does it really well. And, um, yeah, it, it doesn't feel like a, you know, kind of eye rolly like, you know, stupid parody kind of way. No. It's like, oh, no, this feels like someone that likes this genre but yeah just making like fun of it and it's uh i, I was laughing a lot during this well as the thing i think it took me a, c- a couple of mo- minutes to get that that's what it was supposed to be like because you know, the first oh, scene yeah, when they're yeah, in the yeah. woods i was like this feels kind of off it feels like the action's kind of off like what's mm-hmm. going on but by the time the cop kills himself and then we get to this stuff in the cabin i started to understand what the, the sense of humor was going for and it, it started to click yeah. a bit more for me um even the, the fact that the girl like she has her final girl moment where she picks up an axe and she gets like a chain wrapped around her arm she's like well all right you piece of shit i'm going to fight yeah. back <laughs> and we have this fight scene between the girl and the killer until she's about to kill the killer and the killer lifts up his mask and it's like and we've, yeah. we've never seen him before but it's her friend it's like one of their mm-hmm. friends who were out here and it's like, okay so we've revealed that he's the killer whatever but this is when the movie go or when the the story gets a, a kind of a weird twist where mm-hmm. he then explains why he's killing everyone and instead of it being like oh you all picked me when i was when we were younger or i'm psychotic or whatever it turns into a story where there's a, an alien invasion of spiders which have been taking over people invasion of the body snatcher style and he's been killing all the people who have been taken over by aliens he's actually the hero of the story the welder is the hero that's the twist I, yeah i absolutely loved it i mean even if it just like without this little twist uh it, you know on its own it would be kind of like a funny send-up of uh you know slasher movies but then just adding this extra layer of like oh wow and it just really like makes you kind of like rethink the whole thing i absolutely loved it like i don't think i've ever seen anything like this necessarily done before uh i was i thought it was really cool i was into the twist just for the silliness of it more than anything else uh i thought that was pretty funny honestly the only thing i'd like about the end of this story is that you know he he kills her um you know when he gets out in the car in the, the morning he, he's kind of dodging all these spiders because because we kind of actually we kind of end him in the the cabin at night with all these like alien spiders coming in and he's just like on his own just killing them left and right yeah <laughs> and he leaves the next day in the car and we get the, the final little reveal before the end of the story as he's driving towards the city that he he's been taken over he's got an alien yeah. uh, spider inside <laughs> his head <laughs> and I actually don't like that part of it because it felt like we just had to have the little thing to say, th- you know, things are still dangerous, like things aren't okay. Yeah. And I kind of like the idea of him being a hero. Yeah, no, via, that's fair. You know, via being a slasher killer, because I, I thought, I thought yeah. that was kind of an interesting little play on it. It's like, oh, no, no, the slasher killer is the hero of the story. Yeah. So having him fail at the end felt like, oh, no, it would have been funnier if he actually succeeded and he was a hero and he saved the day. Mm. 
and you and you could he's still could have had like something like maybe he saves a day but then like you know some cops come and just like look at like all these dead bodies and see him there or something like you could still do like a a little bit of a downer ending or something uh but still have him be a, a hero which yeah probably would have been nice but yeah yeah it's fine uh yeah, I, I really like this one. Like one of my favorite gags, you know, kind of similar to, you know, the, the shotgun thing, though, is um, when he, you know, he stabs like the boyfriend uh, character to the wall uh, with these <laughs> <Yeah>. knives. <laughs> and yeah. then, <laughs> so he has like this whole like little like, uh, you know, like cutlery knife block thing. Uh, so the guy in the wall keeps grabbing knives and the killer just takes them out of his hands and just stabs him with them. And <clears throat> it's, it's like a great setup because, you know, it happens like, you know, uh, the first he first gets stabbed to the wall, and then he goes to take another knife, and then uh, you know the uh, uh, welder you know stabs him with it. So it's like you know a, a nice little thing, and then he goes to reach another one, and then uh, he does it again, and then uh, it kind of like clicks where you're like, oh wait a minute, there's like whatever four or five knives in that. He's not gonna do like each one, is he? And then like sure enough, they go through it like. Again, similar with the shotgun, it's like, oh, he's not going to keep shooting. It's like, no, they they do go there. It's yeah. funny. Well, what I like, though, is by the time he gets to the last two knives, he can't actually reach anymore. He's too weak from yeah. stabbing. <laughs> so the killer just takes them himself and yeah. starts stabbing them until he's like stabbed all his arms and hands up against the wall. Um, real really good. good. Real good. Um, it's not even the only scene in this movie where there's a character with like multiple knives sticking out of them. We get to another one of those later. No, I had a blast with this one. It just it has the right sense of humor. Once I really, once I understood what the sense of humor was supposed to be and what it was going for, it kind of clicked, and I was into the kind of absurdity and just making fun of all the slasher tropes. Um, it felt a little bit like you know I was feeling a little bit of Final Girls in there at points with the humor, yes. um, that kind of thing. So, yeah. Uh, uh, the thing in the woods is a pretty solid start but it it kind of sets the tone of like okay we're going to be over the top we're going to be silly it's not a super serious mm-hmm. horror movie um yeah we're going to just have fun with it so do you have uh i forget if you mentioned uh, uh when you introduced it but do you have the who the director was oh, yeah. for this one uh director is uh, alejandro uh Bruges. Okay. i'm going to guess his name is pronounced yeah apologies if i i butchered that last one um <laughs> Uh, are you familiar with this director from other things? Is uh, is he the one that did One of the Dead? He is indeed. Which I I've okay. never seen. Is is this something I, sh- I we should do at some point, Tim? Is this a? Um, I I actually haven't seen it either. I okay. just heard uh him talking about it. Uh, it's it sounded interesting though. I would definitely be down to check it out. The only, um, honestly, that was in twenty ten, and the only things that he's really done mm-hmm. in between. Uh, so twenty eleven that was the only thing that he's done in between is a segment on ABCs of Death Two. Um, okay. which those ABCs of Death movies are like, like I've never I saw a little bit of the first one, but mm-hmm. I I swear those movies are like on every streaming service I've ever had because they're, <laughs> they're always throwing them at me. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he did a couple of episodes of the From Dust Till Dawn series, uh, okay. which is on Netflix. Well, it's, it's El Rey, uh, but it's I think Netflix have got it everywhere else. Um, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I, I I'd be interested in checking that out now. Uh, I mean, especially after you know seeing this, uh, maybe people can tell us, uh, you know, tweet at us or send us an email or something if, uh, if they the think bed. it's a, yeah, if anyone's yeah. seen and think it's worth doing. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that that was the that was the first story. Uh, pretty solid. Pretty solid. Uh, the girl who was in the theater is just not there when we come back. So from this one. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so that was the first one. Uh, second one was uh. Merer, I'm going to say that's pronounced. Um, 
Uh, this was actually the Jodanti one, and I like Jodanti. I'm a big Jodanti fan, and I actually got really sad uh, when I realized this was the Jodanti story because, <laughs> um, because Jodanti, like Dick Miller, was in every film that Jodanti had ever made oh, yeah. until recently, and of course Dick Miller passed away. I mean, don't go me wrong; it's not a super sad <laughs> death. He made it to his nineties. He he had a great yeah. run. Um, but you know he was in he was in explorers he was in um small soldiers he was in the two gremlins movies you know he was howling howling you know he's, he's in all the joe dante movies uh up until a point so um you know it's kind of sad that he wasn't here to be in this um yeah but so yeah, he could have like easily been like the doctor or something or sure or... yeah yeah, yeah. um uh, it should be the janitor of reprising his role from chopping mall Oh sure, <laughs> that wasn't yeah. a Joe Dante movie, but he's in that too. He's also oh, yeah. in the, he's also in the Terminator, of course. He's he's the guy that sells all these guns in the, the first Terminator. Um, you know, uh, you know, he's like a plasma rifle. He's like only what you see, pal. You know, that's that scene. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so this this is a story about a a fiance fianced couple, um, and the the girl we see. You know, they, they, they're kissing outside of the theater and they're the wraparound. They come in the theater and, of course, they stop kissing when they see that they're on screen. They're, okay, okay, we're on film now. And we start the actual story with her. She's got, like, scarring on the side of her face and she comes out to see him from the bathroom and they're at a restaurant. They've been having lunch or dinner or whatever. And he gives us... I actually laughed out loud in this scene because he gives her this speech about how... Oh, you've been looking at the mirror again. Like this does not matter you're beautiful and like you know like physical attractiveness is overrated and you make me feel so happy you never have to worry about this ever again like don't worry about your scarring and then he immediately says i was but i was talking to my mom about plastic surgery if you're up for it <laughs> i laughed out loud when he just because he, he makes this big speech about how it doesn't matter which by the way like th- this this girl is still gorgeous this is like hollywood oh, yeah. like we'll put a little yeah. scar on her and like oh she, she thinks she's hideous but she's clearly yeah. still like a supermodel um but like it, but he, he just immediately brings up plastic surgery it's like, oh, i'll pay for it i'll do it I'll, I'll pay for it you can you can you know be as confident as you want and i'm like this screamy sleazeball <laughs> i felt I, I mean i was laughing because it was just so absurd the way he yeah. just shifted straight to it but it made me laugh, <laughs> made me laugh a lot and he, he brings up that his mother's had a lot of work done so we, we kind of get her, her his mother teased throughout the story mm-hmm. uh but she goes to this uh plastic surgery place and the doctor's this really friendly guy he's like oh we'll, we'll do this and you know we'll, we'll, we'll get rid of 95 percent of the scarring He's overly cheery. He's like, "Hey, while you're under, we could do some other things as well if you want. We could, you know, take mm-hmm. in the, the nose a bit here, and we could plump these cheekbones mm-hmm. up a little touch, and just, mm-hmm. you know, I was like, and, he, and she's kind of like, oh, okay. He's like, that's veins. Like, of course not. Of course he's going to say he's getting paid to do it. I mean, he wants to yeah. do as much work as possible. Um, I also liked how casually in this scene, like his assistant just came up and like took her top down just so they could look at her boobs yeah. to to decide if there needs to be some <coughs> boob work done. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, so she goes in under the knife. Uh, we get like a, a you know a brief scene of her POV, and she's going under as they're mm-hmm. operating. And she wakes up, and she's got bandages wrapped around her, her head. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like where... a cool, like quick little like dream sequence and stuff too. Like, uh, oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, she's like, going to the altar, and then like uh, yeah, she sees her husband up there, and then all of a sudden it changes to like just the the doctor is like all bloodied and smiling creepily with a big bone saw in his hand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that was cool. And what I liked about uh, this partly is that it reminded me a lot of a Twilight Zone episode, actually. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Um, there's some Twilight Zone episode vibes in this one. Um, but she she's not allowed to look at herself. She's got bandages on her face. She's she's, she's told not to talk. 
Uh, the husband, or the husband to be rather, comes in and like sees her and says everything went well. You know, so excited, blah blah. <laughs> and he goes out and he's like he's having a serious talk. He takes some photos of her and presumably sends it to his mother. And then goes and talks to the uh, the the doctor. Okay. And she she kind of wakes up and sees them kind of like you know discussing something intent intensely, uh, and then pretends to be asleep. And she's told repeatedly, okay, so there's a, a small problem. You're not breathing as well as you should be. That's a common thing that happens with uh, when nose work is done. So we'll put you under tomorrow and fix it all up and we'll have you out here in no time. And you get the impression, it's like, okay, that's not really why they want to put her under again. Something else yeah. is going on. Mm-hmm. So she actually sneaks out of her bed and goes snooping around the hospital and see, sees on the computer there's a note on her file saying, uh fiance requests more work to be done immediately uh like he's trying to whip her up to shape to for whatever vision that he has for her is and the she ends up like going around she finds like a like a, a presumably they've been taking like body parts from this woman she finds like in mm-hmm. in this room where it's like all of her skin is just like kind of and her features are just kind of been gone from her face it's kind yeah. of grotesque uh, and she ends up having like a, a proper like fight with uh, one of the nurses where she like stabs her and everything like she's probably <laughs> fending, fending her off but she ends up getting nabbed by the by the doctor um, I was like bummed too like because uh, I, I thought she was going to make it or at least mm. have a little bit more time of freedom but it seems like she gets ca- uh, captured yeah. kind of quick I actually really like the fight with the, with the nurse because uh, she, she gets yeah. like half of her bandages kind of pulled off at one point and they just they felt very visceral to me yeah oh definitely yeah, yeah. and then I, I like that like you know when uh, she's like still, you know, trying to run away after that, and like you know, you still see like the the bandages hanging off and stuff, and yeah, it definitely looks cool. I, I think I think what works about this story mostly is just the the feeling that it has, where it feels like she's mm. she's helpless because she's been forced into this, and that like mm. I think the obvious like symbolism here is the idea of like um, just her beauty been taken away from in the sense where it's like something that she's been told is not important but the, the the guy in the relationship is like no 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 uh, this is the most important thing and i'm going to shape it and mold it you're not you anymore you're what i my image of you is is is, is kind of what we're doing um, yeah definitely so yeah it's it definitely like societal themes and stuff you can take away from that and yeah people like you know, judging you and and that and like not being able to escape these criticisms yeah because uh, if it's not literal plastic surgery it's the idea of feeling pressure <laughs> into you know mm-hmm. working out more than you probably should because you feel like you need to yeah be this skinny or you need to do this you need to do that mm-hmm. um so really 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 neat um and then sh- she wakes up again and she's still freaking out and the boyfriend's like oh my mom's came to see you my, my mom's here Are you excited to meet her and <laughs> She pulls off her bandages and we see she, she looks grotesque. She looks like a monster. She's got like her nose is missing. Uh, it's all deformed. And it's like, well, this is what you wanted. And then his mum walks in and this is kind of the ending of the story. We see her and she looks like the most like <laughs> disturbing, like plastic person like yeah. ever. And it's not a super original idea, but it's, it's just it's, it's executed so well. I think this, this story. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, definitely. Out. Yeah. Like I, I think, um, like uh after a while like you know i I started to kind of you know connect the dots and figure like out like okay so it seems like he's you know trying to make her uh look like his mother and then you kind of get the idea all right then yeah she's gonna look really weird and uh, of course that's what ends up being and she has three breasts uh of course um well not not the mother uh uh, 
the main character has three breasts um yeah. when, when she takes off the bandages and she looks down at herself she's got three breasts yes so yeah. clearly this dude's a total recall <coughs> fan that is the one thing we've yeah. established um <laughs> by the end of the story yeah, so I, I guess like my uh i i did like this one uh, as well um it's uh yeah like you said it's uh the way they present it like i, I like this idea of this uh you know paranoia where you know everyone's telling you like oh this is fine this is simple this is fine don't worry about it it's just a little thing whatever uh but like just the idea that she knows this is wrong and she needs to get out of here and it feels like very frantic uh yeah and um and uh, i liked it and then uh yeah I, I guess my question would be though like wait did the mother always look like that or is this like a weird thing that this family has that they just like always need their brides to like look this way and then uh, i think it's the lot i don't think she always i think she she got all this work done because she needed mm-hmm. the work to be done i don't know I have, I have no idea the logic behind their choices is something i can't really get into very yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah it's uh yeah the, the logic uh, maybe is a little hard to suss out but it, i mean it works on a yeah like you know a horror level and everything but i, I do like um as soon as she's like in the chair being told what what work should be done it feels like he's already manipulating her like she's already having the choice taken away from her like even though she still oh, theoretically has the chance to leave it feels like the choice is already gone so um, yeah. i like that yeah it and it feels like you know like a little like you know gas lady like just even in the beginning like you know the way he's like oh no like like you're saying like oh you know he's you're beautiful you're perfect but i mean you know if you want to there's this place my mother really recommends it you know we can do it for free uh you know it's it, it is very like oh okay <laughs> Uh, well, to be fair, it wasn't free. It was I'll pay for it all. Like that's how much he oh, cares. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like you're beautiful to me already, but I will pay for all of your plastic surgery should you be yeah. willing to do it. <laughs> convincing, very convincing. Um, so, and I, I think it's after these two where the projectionist kind of appears behind them. I want to say. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Um, not really much happens with him to be honest, but yeah, he appears. Mm-hmm. Uh, the third story. Uh, is Mashit or Mashit, uh, and this is uh, directed by uh, Ruhi uh, Kitamura, if I'm pronouncing that right, mm-hmm. Japanese director, who I'm actually familiar with. Um, I have mm-hmm. seen his film Verses, which was a zombie movie. Oh yes, uh, yes. Woods, which I wasn't a super big fan of, but I actually really liked his movie after that that he did called Sky High, uh, which wasn't a horror movie. Oh, that was yeah. that was an action movie, but. Um, not not to be confused with a Disney movie about superheroes. It's not that. <laughs> it's a Japanese right, movie. Right. <laughs> uh, but I, I actually really like that movie. In fact, I think I still want it in DVD, if I recall. Oh, okay. um, but he also went on to do Midnight Meat Train um, mm-hmm. uh, when he went went to the went to the West, um, mm-hmm. which was not a movie I'm particularly fond of uh, or or like. Um, I wasn't crazy about it. Uh, I do kind of want to go back and watch it again. Cause I, I have heard people say like, Oh no, this is like a, a nice little gem from the last couple of years that people overlooked. And I'm like, hey, maybe I should give it a second shot. But I remember watching and just kind of being like, all right, fine, whatever. I like the uh, Clyde Barker story it's based on. Sure. Sure. Um, but hey, maybe we'll do it in the show at some point. But yeah, so this story, yeah. uh, you know, at the start of this, I wasn't feeling it. It was, you know, it was this because uh, the, the mm-hmm. character goes in as a priest, as a priest goes into the 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 theater and um the story when it starts is kind of okay this kid's possessed and jumps off the the, the church and um we have a few different characters here we have like this this the, the sort of what i'll refer to as the main nun that we kind of deal with mm-hmm. there's also the mother of one of the daughters who's kind of works at the church 
uh, it's a Catholic school, and you know, so so we have these things going on, and there's like, um, I, and I wasn't feeling the that there's a demon or whatever, and you know, there's, there's a scene where the the priest is having sex with a nun like in his <laughs> office, and it's just yeah. there because there was one line actually where, um. Once the once the dead kid comes back in sort of ghostly possessed form, he says, "Oh, I, you know, I miss what we used to do in here." And I don't know if he was implying that he also abused the kids. Um, yeah, I wasn't sure about that either. But at the same time, though, the rest of the story doesn't really feel like it goes in that direction. So I don't think it was. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> I, I hope not, because then at one point you do kind of start rooting for the priest. You do, yeah. So like, I, I, think I that, hope. <laughs> the, the movie wants you to root for the priest at a certain point, even though he's a bit of a scumbag. Uh, and I think you know. So I hope I hope that's not what it was implying, but. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So and all of this, you know, there's like crosses falling off the wall and, and whatever, and then eventually, it, like the little girl's being made fun of because her mum works there, and like I wasn't feeling like this demonic figure standing behind her mm-hmm. kind of thing. However, mm-hmm. when the little girl like like uh pushes her away or whatever, and the girl does this like flip, this ridiculous mm-hmm. flip, I was like, okay, that was kind of funny, and yeah. I was kind of feeling it a little bit more. Yeah, the like the the first half of it, it just feels like very generic. Like, all right, this is just like your basic possession thing. Mm-hmm. Like, it's kind of it, it doesn't it's not really doing much for you. Yeah, um, and you know, it's got the the kids all sitting up in bed at the same time and things like that. Yeah. It's all right. However, <laughs> this story goes to a place in the back half <laughs> where we have a priest and a nun with swords killing <laughs> dozens of possessed children and we're talking slitting throwaways decapitating like it's there's literally just like body parts flying in yeah. the air it it becomes such a wild ride like i was genuinely like surprised uh yeah because because i really was just like all right so here's where where we get our lull uh you know all right this is you know not horrible but it's just all right what's the point it's not that interesting of a story but yeah it ends up going to like a wild place where it's like i could just watch this priest just like cut off little kids heads for hours <laughs> it's so great his head's like in slow motion like flying through the air he's he's just stabbing them left and right um meanwhile the nuns try to like you know talk to the because it turns out it's the mother that's possessed it's not the kid um the mother's the one who's possessed and she's trying to talk to her and um she ends up like surviving like they go off the the the, the, the roof but she kind of survives by like having the demon the possessed women go down first like i'm like that still wouldn't save you like the, the fall would still kill yeah still, i mean it would at the very least injure you dearly she just gets up as if nothing happens oh, sure <laughs> uh, the priest does get, get does get killed eventually the kids overpower him and stab him like multiple times so he does die um but yeah so i mean ultimately that's all you want to talk about with this this this, this story is just how insane and great the scene of yeah. them because it comes to a point where they're trapped in kind of the chapel area and the kids are like breaking down the door and the priest like gets like a sword and hands her a couple of daggers or whatever and she's like what do we do with this and he's like survive <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like it's it's so much fun uh yeah i mean i, I don't really have a like much else to add but yeah it is just like a, a really good time actually i really like the music in this one too it's kind of like sure. this um it's almost kind of like a like rock music actually you know <laughs> reminds me of something you would have heard in like a later like castlevania <laughs> game or something um uh, but i mean it fits really well with like the yeah kind of like i guess almost like yeah video gamey like you know just uh like hack and slash kind of action that's going on yeah um, and I remember elements of this in these other films, actually, uh, these Japanese films. But 
I, I always enjoy when a movie says, screw it, no, we can kill kids in this movie, it's okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and obviously they're all possessed kids, it's not like he's just murdering children, but... Right, um, yeah. And it's it's supposed to be, like, over-the-top, like, yeah. parody stuff. Like, it's not, you know, like, it, it's not, like, disturbing and realistic or anything. Yeah, so... And notably, this is the third person who's come into this theater. Well, technically fourth, because it was a couple the last time, <laughs> uh, who, who died in the story. Uh, I think yeah. that's very important for where we're going at the end of this. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and the, the fourth story is called This Way to Egress, uh, mm-hmm. or Edress. I'm, I'm not actually... Have you, are you familiar with this word, Tim? Yeah, uh, it basically means like a, an outing that like leads outside. So, okay, all right. So is that right, Egress? Like, is that the... Uh, from what I've like, it's not a word I use often, but I'm pretty sure egress is how you say it. Okay, okay. Um, so this is the David Slade uh, directed one. It's black <laughs> and white. Uh, the actress is notably the actress who was in Ouija too, but also the Haunting a Hill House. She was one of the main characters yeah. in that. So mm-hmm. becoming something <clears throat> of a like something of a scream queen in a way. Yeah. Um, but this is a story in black and white. She's at the doctor's office. She's waiting with her two children, or two boys, and she's waiting to get in. And the receptionist is, just keeps telling her to wait. It'll be a few more minutes. It'll be a few more minutes. And they've been there for a long time. The kids are complaining. They're hungry. They're kind of talking back to her a little bit. Um, she's ready to throw in the towel and just sort of leave. But then it's like, no, no, the doctor's ready now and he's waiting for you. And she goes in and he asks just a lot of questions about how she's feeling. And basically, over the course of her waiting to get in here, Every time she goes up to the receptionist, the receptionist is looking a little bit more off. Like, she starts to like, mm-hmm. look a bit demonic, almost. And when she goes into the door, she's like, oh, yeah, things st- are starting to change. Like, I'm seeing people look disturbed, like, and look mm-hmm. like they're turning into demons or something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. And the world as well, like, you know, the, the world's looking a little bit disturbed. And he's just very weird with the way he responds to her. He, he keeps asking questions. He's doesn't ever sound very helpful he eventually says oh i've got a meeting to go to and this is right after he's asked if she's suicidal and she never actually mm-hmm. answers the question he just kind of says yeah well um we'll continue this tomorrow come back at 8 30 mm-hmm. um and we'll talk about it uh but the actual main part of the story is that when she comes back out of the doctor's office her kids are missing so a lot of the story is her looking through the building for her kids mm-hmm. which is mostly empty now uh, but everyone she sees all the janitors that she sees the, the employees who are leaving for the night all of them now look very unhuman. They all have this kind of... Mm-hmm. Uh, this also kind of reminded me of Twilight Zone episode, actually, funnily enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, uh, what, I actually got like a lot of uh, kind of Silent Hill vibes off of this. Oh, from the other world kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. Just like, I guess maybe just like, yeah, and like the way it kind of looked and sounded and um, stuff. But yeah, like very disturbing. And yeah, it's like everyone... It, it is kind of hard to put it because it's like... A, yeah, they're still humanoid, but it's just like, you know, features are kind of exaggerated and extended and all the voices are distorted. Um, and like, I, I think she mentioned something with a the therapist, like, um, like, uh, like he says, oh, like, uh, are, are, do things keep changing for you? Do things keep looking different? Uh, and I, I'm trying to think, like, I, I want to say this might be like a real condition that like some people have where just like, things never look the same or like things Mm. like obviously this is probably a very exaggerated example of it but i do think there is like a something that can happen to people where it's like you know like someone just always looks different or maybe you just get the feeling that they look different that they don't look the same which uh, i mean that in of itself just sounds like a horrifying 
you know, a, a way to live. Um, but then kind of add this horror element too, where everything looks so like bleak and disturbing. <laughs> it's like really hard. Yeah. And she, she does eventually like have a gun in her purse. So she pulls out a gun. Yeah. Uh, and the implication, and the implication in this story is definitely she did eventually kill herself. So that's definitely what we get from it mm-hmm. uh, by the end. Um, she, um, she, you know, she, she ends up having this fight with someone in the bathroom when she's still looking mm-hmm. for her kids. And she pulls out this gun, which is a very strange-looking gun. Uh, it's, it's got yeah. a very unique look to it. In fact, at one point, it looked like it was, you know, like in a like a toothpaste tube when you're sort of like squeezing it out. But you, if yeah. you if you sort of like unsqueeze it, it'll sort of suck back in a little bit. At one point, it looked like there was like a stuff coming out of the barrel that looked kind of like that. Uh, to me, it was like sort of. Oh yeah, definitely. Just sort yeah, of squeeze like it, it out. Like it, it almost looks organic in a way. Like it could be its own little creature. Hmm. Yeah um so yeah i mean ultimately she ends up back up outside the doctor's office and she hears her two kids talking to the doctor and it sounds it almost makes it sound like her two kids are conspiring and like mm-hmm. with the doctor to try and make her crazy um i'll be honest <laughs> a lot of the dialogue here was actually really hard to hear uh for me uh mm-hmm. there's a lot of sound effects on it so you get out the odd sentence of what they're saying behind the door mm-hmm. but a lot of it was really distorted um, I feel like there's probably a lot, a lot of interesting tidbits if you whack on the subtitles or yeah. uh, assuming it, it doesn't just say inaudible or stuff like that, <laughs> which it yeah. might. Um, yeah, so, so what I kind of took away from this, and uh, again, maybe, um, it, you know, I don't, I don't know if I misheard stuff or understood it correctly, but at, at one point did they say that she like uh, like kind of fell into this other like level of consciousness or something? Like, uh, like I kind of got the impression that they're in like almost this other kind of plane of reality that normal people can't access, but every now and again, possibly maybe from like some traumatic experience or something like people ascend, uh, to this plane accidentally. And then it's kind of up to people to like, I I guess, kind of get them out. (laughs) Yeah. They they mention, um, that she, she mentions that her husband left her a few days ago, um, and so so you're thinking that she she is came into this world um i that's uh, that was like one uh one thing that i thought that i heard them kind of mention or, or talk around uh but i i mean i'm not sure i guess it could probably be like open to interpretation uh i i mean even if they do specifically say that you could also make the argument that maybe they're saying that to uh or maybe she's imagining them saying that or maybe they're just saying that to trick her into killing herself because uh, she you know feels like she's stuck in this place that she can't get out of um but yeah it, I, it, I, I don't it, know. <laughs> it definitely says that the goal is for her to commit suicide and it's you know maybe it's because yeah she's she's sort of stumbled into another world here uh because obviously like at certain points people react as if what there, there was no kids whose kids are you talking about because um, yeah. it was the same with the doctor even when the doctor was asking questions and she was referring to her kids mm-hmm. it didn't seem like he was you know it's, it, it looked like he was kind of like asking more questions because he mm-hmm. knows she doesn't have kids or something yeah, to that and effect then, and even at one point don't the kids like uh or i think maybe when it's when they're talking to the doctor don't they say something like yeah she still thinks that we're her kids or something like that yeah um so no, it's interesting. I, I, yeah. I, have, I guess I have, a lot of it. I have to imagine that the husband took the kids with him, and that's why the kids are this important mm-hmm. like image in her head. Like that's why she's just seeing yeah. what she thinks are her kids. I, I guess like the big question though is this 
like literally what's going on or is this uh part of her symptoms or, or like is it just going on in the head uh i guess it could be like open to interpretation but i think it's open and i, I think ultimately like it's obviously a harder one to get your your head around exactly mm -hmm. as to what's going on i think why this one works for me and why i like it is just how it feels um more oh, than yeah, anything else yeah. um, which is kind of similar to the second story i suppose in a way but um it's just the the feeling of surrealness uh mm -hmm. as she's going through all these hallways and checking all these different locations for her kids and seeing mm -hmm. more people who look very kind of uh, deformed and but all deformed in the exact same way it's almost like they're a different species but they all have the same yeah. look to them so yeah like she's like the odd one out and then yeah it's just a yeah this one uh, I, I like this one a lot it's definitely it's it's, it's probably the most depressing of it. like it is very bleak and yeah desolate and isolated and um yeah and the, the you know the style and the imagery uh really matches it well like uh the, you know what they're going for with the story can you hear that <laughs> i can yeah <laughs> clint howard's not happy with the review of ice cream man he's, he's coming for me he's coming um so no um no i like this one uh quite a bit because it was very stylized and it had a really good surreal tone and i think what i liked about these four stories is that not only did they all have uh, some fun or something to be had uh, in terms of either just insanity or mood or whatever they're all different as well, which I think is really nice. Yeah. None of them feel like they're repeating what the other ones did, which is which is really good. Um, Definitely. So the final story, uh, which notably the character uh, who who's the, this teenager who's the main character in it, uh, he comes into the theater and notices a, p a piano at the side of the stage, and goes and starts playing it. Uh, and this leads into our st his story where he's you know he's at a piano recital uh his parents come to see him um there's a weird thing where the dad's late and the mom kind of gives him shit for it but it never it's never actually a plot point that matters later it doesn't really come yeah. up or is important mm -hmm. uh but when they go back out in the car and they're praising him for such a good job there is a, a crazy man in the back seat who pulls out a gun yes. and kind of holds him a little bit hostage and when they try and fight back uh, the dad gets shot in the head the mom gets shot multiple times and the son does actually get shot himself as well but he survives uh we cut to a hospital he's getting operated on and he's you know he sees his mother basically for a brief moment when he's kind of delirious uh it's very clear of course that she's dead and that mm. i thought it was weird how in the story the doctors and nurses never wanted like they all every time he brings up his parents and like is his mom alive they're always like oh we won't talk about that now honey and i'm like he has to find that out pretty soon like that's a pretty big deal to, to get to uh but yeah. so that the plot of this is basically that he because he was technically dead for 17 minutes and came back that he can now see dead people walking around and he meets this other girl who's there who tried to commit suicide and she also can see dead people walking around and so there's a plot where he keeps seeing his mother his mother's essentially trying to convince him to die so that he'll come with her um, but also the crazy man who killed his parents shows up at the hospital a couple of times to try to kill him because he saw his face and he wants to take out the witness um it sucked <laughs> yeah i oh man even you like recounting it is like boring me like everything ab about this i i didn't like like there's no like 
uh, visually there's nothing interesting about it story-wise uh, actually it's like can, can i give you my worst moment of the whole movie it's in this story sure sure okay it's uh, so when eventually because there's a bit of a, a cat and mouse with a killer when the killer's chasing him around once he f- properly gets in the hospital uh try to kill him and he eventually finds him you know he hides in the morgue for a bit but then he finds him in this this big supply closet and he's strangling him and he's, he's like killing him and as he's dying as he's like potentially dying again the kid in his head sees his mother uh, it's like a black screen but there's like a, just an oval of light in the middle with these with the mother in it as a portrait talking to him saying that's it son come to me come to me baby mm-hmm. and then it like cut and then it changes to the girl that he met in the hospital who was actually killed by the by the ghost of his mother apparently i yeah <laughs> because she she was trying to convince him that oh your mother's trying to want, wants you to die so you shouldn't listen to her mm-hmm. and because of that the ghost of the mother kills her um because ghosts can do that apparently which begs the question sure. why didn't she just kill her son <laughs> if, if that's if it's yeah. that easy <laughs> um but he he he's but as he's dying he gets this weird just like really cheesy vision of his dead mother in this oval in the middle of the screen and then it changes it changes to the, the friend in the hospital who's like no don't listen to her fight it live and then it cuts back it cuts back to the mom she's like no don't listen to that slut listen to your mom <laughs> like mm. and it's that that was the worst scene of the whole movie for me was mm-hmm. was this this like the, the two dead ghosts trying to it's just it's so cheesy and schmaltzy mm-hmm. the idea of like yeah. the ghosts fighting over him and trying to like save him and i just i hated this one yeah no i i, I agree 100 percent. it's uh yeah, it, it's like feels like it's trying to be weirdly heartwarming, which is like why when like all the other like things have been like you know pretty bleak and stuff, like why do this now? And then it even uh, annoys me the way it starts because like we've established like everything has been the same. It's like you know someone comes in, they sit down, they watch a movie, but then all of a sudden the last one you're changing it up. This kid comes in and instead sees a piano and starts playing the piano. It's like what? Like, I don't know, what, why are you changing it up at this point? And then, yeah, it's just, I just don't care about anything that's happening in this. It's like, it's not interesting. It's not original. Even, like, in the movie, I was like, oh, we're doing a hospital one again. <laughs> like, we, we already had, like, a much better story in this movie uh, that took place in a hospital. Um, yeah, of course, he does fight back and he stabs the killer in the, the, the chin with a broken broomstick okay fine yeah. and this is the one that tells you kind of what's been going on here is essentially everyone who's came to this theater um is here because they're, they've already died and they're seeing how their final story played out before they move on to the afterlife or whatever and the final wraparound segment is when we come back to him the kid is here because he technically died but he actually went back he came back alive so because of that he doesn't stay he's he's allowed to leave um, mm-hmm. But all the other dead characters from the, throughout the film are all still sitting in the theater. So the projectionist, because mm-hmm. uh, you know, again, like the, the the wraparound stuff is maybe some of the weakest outside of the last story, just in the sense that mm-hmm. the final shot is like the projectionist putting away like the, the film canister of like his story, mm-hmm. and it like goes next to the other four that we've had, and then the camera does this pullback, and we see oh, it's just shelves and shelves and shelves of of film reels. He's done this with hundreds of people, yeah. And I'm like, I assumed this. The final shot means nothing to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, uh, so I like the idea of, um, you know, I think that's a cool idea for an anthology movie. People come in, you know, they watch it, you know, how they die. And then, uh, yeah, the projectionist. All right. That's a cool name. Uh, I wish maybe he looked a little more interesting. I wish he didn't just look like Mickey Rourke just like got out of his car and mm-hmm. went to film this. Uh, but 
that's fine, whatever. But then I'm confused because like, didn't he mention something about how he's like he wants their souls or anything? So I'm like, okay, so, uh, are you like a demon? Are you like what exactly are you doing? Are you like in like heaven or hell or I, I don't know. And then also, if these are supposed to be like how people die, then the woman in the second story, she doesn't die at the end. She gets a plastic surgery, but I would. Do we assume that she, I don't know, kills herself or her husband kills her? Or um, that's a good point. I mean, they're both dead in the theater, though, so presumably mm. this does lead to her death. <laughs> I don't, I don't know, because it, it just, I, I don't know. It's, it seems like they maybe like overcomplicated it. Like, I don't know. Mm. If uh, it seems like there was good ideas with uh, it's a good this point. Do, approach, do you know but... It never occurred to me that they didn't actually die in that story because at the end of the movie, when they're all sitting there with the others, they're just as dead. So it's like it's clearly yeah, saying they're, they're look... dead now. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't know. That's uh, a bit weird. It's a bit weird. Um, yeah. The fact is, is, is we're now picking some of this ending stuff and some of the the wraparound in the final story. But the, the the truth is, is for an anthology, this was a really good over above average anthology because four out of five Definitely. stories were enjoyable. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I can't uh, be too be too harsh on it. I mean, I, I don't think I could give it a, like a, a rave review, but mm-hmm. I was pleasantly surprised, uh, especially when I saw it was two hours. I was dreading, like, oh my god, it's going to be two hours of shit. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, that, that's that's my concern when I see a long horror movie, when I see something mm-hmm. that's over ninety minutes, um, mm-hmm. because horror movies are designed to be short, right? That's just mm-hmm. that's just yeah. be honest about that. So. I mean, yeah. it's like anything, you know, if it's good, you know, I, I'm okay with it going a little longer. But yeah, 90 minutes is a sweet spot. Oh, sure. But uh, I think what I what I mean is, is that typically the, like, I, I feel like the bad ones tend to be the ones that overstay their welcome. And, oh, sure. And yeah. don't know when to, the reason why most horror movies are that short is because <laughs> they're, they're tight and, you know, horror movies shouldn't oh, yeah. be a long experience for the most part. Obviously, there's exceptions and there are good long horror mm-hmm. movies. There are, I mean, Midsummer came out this year and it was like two and a half hours. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> It happens. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I and I do feel like even the, um, you know, even the uh, ones that uh, like that I like, they probably could have been uh, shorted a little bit. Um, I, I am trying to think now, though. I wonder if the uh, since it's called Nightmare Cinema, I wonder are these supposed to be like maybe people's nightmares or something instead of like how they died. I, I don't know. I'm just wondering if that has, if there's anything to that. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I guess, I, I mean, I, I guess the fact that we're questioning it <laughs> probably tells you something about kind of I, the level of, I never got the impression there were actual nightmares. I always got the impression that there were <laughs> the deaths just because of the way that the ending plays out. It just makes more sense to okay. me that, that they're all dead. Ex- except the kid from the last story, because mm. he, he died and came back. So he gets to leave. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I guess that, yeah, it does make more sense. Yeah, but, so that's what I've got um, for you. Yeah, but yeah, no, I mean, I agree with you though. That's uh, yeah, I mean, uh, probably my biggest nitpicks is yeah, I just, I'm sorry, I love you, Mick Garris, but man, I just did not like this last one or the wraparound segment that much. Uh, well, actually, I, I like more of the idea of the wraparound segment, but uh, could have been done a little better. Sure. Um, but no, I mean, those first four though like really solid and especially like yeah with an anthology movie you always expect to have like a little duds and i, I think uh, unfortunately more often than not I, th- I feel like 
maybe you kind of expect one, maybe two really good ones. And then a couple of like, you know, okay stuff. And then maybe like, you know, some bad ones, but no, like I, I think, you know, four out of five, that's a really good <laughs> average. Yeah. Um, which I think leads us to rating the movie out of 10, Tim, uh, if you want to hazard a <clears throat> number. Um, yeah, it, it is definitely like a little tough cause yeah, you, you almost want to, you know, rate everything like a little like individually and i do feel like honestly uh those first four movies they, they would probably all range from about a seven to an eight uh but man the 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 last one and the wraparound just really bring it down um I, I'm, I'm still gonna be really charitable though i'll, I'll give it a, a 7.5 uh but uh yeah it's i i I don't even think you need to replace the last one. Yeah, if you just got rid of it, it'd be a lot tighter. Uh, everything mm-hmm. else would be like, you know, much better hit. And then, yeah, I could easily see that going up to like, you know, eight, eight point five. But I'll just, uh, I'll stick with seven point five though. Yeah, I, I had a lot of fun with the first four stories for, and all for different reasons, which is great. Um, yeah, so I, I think I am going to give it a straight seven. I think if the last story had either been gone or been good. Uh, I'd probably go as high as a whole point more, but I th- I think taken as a whole, I have to kind of you know consider yeah. that and consider the wraparound segment, which just kind of felt mostly pointless. Um, yeah, and not that a wraparound segment should feel important. I, th- I think the problem is is they wanted it to feel important and it just didn't. Sure. Um, yeah. Because if, if it had just been a host like telling us about the stories, it'd be fine or or whatever. Mm. Uh, but they tried to tell well, a little story with it, and well, I commend them for trying. Ultimately, mm. it just didn't work. Yeah, it it just seems like I don't know. It's just needlessly kind of weird and confusing and uneven, uh, especially yeah, you know, like we we're saying, like you know, the first couple of times he doesn't even show up, so you don't even have any idea that there is a projectionist. Like, um, at least maybe have some type of hint of it, or like you know, maybe have someone at the like you know the ticket counter that you know kind of like lures the people in or something, just so you have someone that's kind of I don't know, talking and maybe just introducing stuff. And it just seems like that there could have been easier ways to do it. Cause I, I do genuinely like this idea for an anthology movie where it is. Yeah. People, you know, coming into this theater and watching these movies. It's a really good idea. I like it. Hmm. Yeah. Um, there you go. That's nightmare cinema. Uh, pretty solid out overall though. So, mm-hmm. uh, do check it out if you like horror anthologies, um, especially more pulpy ones, which I, I would definitely say this is. So, uh, that that kind of wraps up the episode. So what we should tell you now is uh, how you can help us out by liking and subscribing and uh, supporting us on Patreon, patreon.com slash TV, where you can support us for as little as $1 per month. And for that $1, uh, you get a bonus exclusive episode of Screams After Midnight once per month. Uh, so you get that. At the $5 tier, of course, you get to vote on an episode once per month um, and add movies to the crypt. So go over to Patreon, have a look and see if anything tickles your fancy. Obviously, you also get benefits for other shows that we do on MailFuzz as well. Uh, so, so go and have a look see um, check out all the content that we do uh, if you like sci-fi movies there's a sci-fi equivalent to this show called The Ace The Atomic Cinema Experiment which I do with Tara so you can check out that too uh, and go have a look see um, but otherwise uh, I think that's us right that's, uh, is that everything yeah. okay good excellent <laughs> alright Tim's so confident and sure of himself uh, that is us so thank you once again for watching and listening we always appreciate it keep watching scary movies guys and we will see you next time